Welcome to Talking Wyndham, your weekly insight into the people who make our city surprising, fascinating, vibrant and interesting. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page. Hi, welcome to another edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast, once again brought to you by the uh, the Wyndham City Council. And uh, again, a very important one today. We're going to be speaking to the uh, CEO of Mercy Health, uh, Stephen Cornelison, uh, is going to be joining us to have a chat in just a tick. But I just want to remind you about some of the services, of course, that are available through the council at the moment. If you're struggling, if you need help with anything, the council is there to help you. Uh, the website has all the details. If you need to know about any of the council services, how you can avail yourself of them, what is and isn't uh, up and running at the moment, uh, windham.vic.gov.au is the website. Go to that. And of course, they've got the uh, the helpline uh, man seven days a week now uh, for your convenience, 9742. 0777 is that number, 97420777, windham.vic.gov.au and Wyndham Together, the other website that's well worth going and having a look at uh, if you want to find out what's going on around our city. Let's uh, cut to the chase now and get to our guest for this week on uh, the Talking Wyndham podcast. He is the CEO of uh, of Mercy Health, which of course runs the uh, the Werribee Mercy Hospital. That's Stephen Cornelison. Stephen, thanks very much for joining us on the Talking Wyndham podcast. Uh, how are you holding up? I'm doing very well, thank you, Kevin. Um, it's been an interesting time, but you know, when I've got great staff and, and great places, it's easier to do well myself. So, lucky me. <laughs> I guess that that's the, uh, the the overriding thing about all this is we're learning an enormous amount about the people that we work with and work for, and all that. How, how have you found that process uh, with your staff? Oh, look, Kevin, there's no doubt that. Staff, um, particularly you know, right across Mercy Health, and, and certainly for you know, for this podcast point of view, at Werribee Mercy, are just phenomenal. Uh, I was walking around the hospital uh, last week, um, and just the uh, the level of optimism, um, even their own fears, they put them all to one side. They are grateful they can serve the community. They're grateful they can do something, and they just want to be there caring for people. And I think to be able to put your own issues to one side and just bring your whole self to work every day. It's a pretty unique environment to work in. It's a pretty unique bunch of individuals who, who A, choose to do that. And then in this time when there is enormous pressure on them uh, for, in so many ways, uh, a different kind of pressure than the normal day-to-day stuff, uh, take, takes on a whole new kind of, uh, I guess, importance uh, on top of its normal importance. There's no doubt, um, Kevin. Look out. I mean, I think when we look at what we can do as leaders, you know, you always ask yourself, what can I do as a leader in terms of leading an organisation in a crisis? And really, the best thing we do as leaders in these situations is it goes back to the way we recruit. We recruit great people who we know can do the job. And when you're, you know, when you're backed against the wall and you see these people just rise to the front. Now, you know, these people are coming to work. They've got their own issues and their own family lives. They've got probably children at home or parents at home or loved ones at home that may also be compromised. But they come every day. They give it their all. Uh, they know they're going to be at a much higher risk to face, you know, um, coronavirus than most people in the community because of where they work and how they work. But they're also exceptionally diligent in following the advice we're giving and the advice the government are giving us in how to protect themselves and and how to try and, uh, you know, keep abreast of this so that they can care and that uh, hopefully we can get on top of this um, pandemic as quick as we can. Stephen, have has the logistics of the uh, the kind of parameters that we all have to deal in now in terms of social distancing and all those sorts of things has that been one of the the toughest thing for the for the hospital and the and the health system to deal with? 
look, there's no doubt for our staff social distancing is, is difficult. They, they certainly are trying to practice it with each other. They're trying to practice it with the, with the patients they can. Um, and we're also putting in, putting in a range of other restrictions. You know, we have restricted visitors to our services. We're, we're thermal testing people before they come in to try and identify people that might have a temperature. So we're trying to do a lot of pre- that sort of preventative stuff of bringing a condition into a hospital. But there are times when our staff simply cannot social distance. They have to be in close contact. And that's the time when they, we, you know, we certainly are trying to provide them with the protective equipment that they need. Um, you know, so whether it be goggles, shields, glasses, gloves, um, gowns, uh, not just the gowns you and I might think about gowns, but yeah. certainly um, non-permeable gowns, which, you know, nothing can seep through. And, and we know all of these are in global shortages. So on top of our staff trying to do all these things, they're also managing in an environment where, you know, they've got, a, they've got enough protective equipment, but it's only just enough. And they know that they have to treat it very preciously so that if this pandemic does escalate, as it has in other countries, and we see a lot of people come through, that we've got the right equipment when we really do need it. So I think, you know, they're not just balancing who's coming in the door and how they do all those, and their hand hygiene is, you know, up to scratch. They're used to dealing with infectious conditions from many, many other patients over long periods of time, and they've had lots of training in that. But they're trying to manage all of that and then how to manage some very scarce resources which could become tight liquid gold in, in a very, very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, you, you, you mentioned uh, a couple, one thing that, that immediately sprung out to me. You mentioned the optimism of your staff. I mean, which is pretty hard to do when, you, when you're on the front line of, of, of a crisis like this, and then you have uh, on top of that where we've uh, we've read that uh, that four staff at, at Werribee have uh, actually tested positive. How, how does that optimism still abound in that kind of environment? Look, there's no doubt that our staff are human beings like every one of us, and of course they have um, bouts of nervousness, but. It's the professionalism, it's the training, it's the way they come together. And, and it's even, you know, this goes down to our cleaners who are sitting there going in every day, cleaning the places, and they come to work because um, I think they do what, you know, the Sisters of Mercy came here in 1920 to provide services in Victoria from Ireland. And, and when they came, they had the Spanish flu, exactly the same issue 100 years ago. And they worked with all sorts of people to provide care at the time. And I think our people still exemplify those very, same attributes of being servants, you know, servants who are out there, in, and I say servants not as in a <laughs> as a um, servant of a, a home, but a public servant, and they're out there providing service to others, and and they they do that on the belief that they know that we'll get over this, and I think they know that they know that if they practice good hand hygiene, they know if they do all the right things, they will minimise the effects, and they also know that. I guess, uh, as we keep trying to say them, we will get over this. The, the world has got over these things before and it will again. We will be a little bit different, but we will get through it. Yeah. And um, and I admire our people for the way they do that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I think I think the one good thing that is coming out of this is the appreciation that's being shown uh, to, to the staff who are at the front line by everybody. I mean, we're actually... Um, acknowledging it rather than just taking it for granted, which is is one good thing. You, you mentioned the history, the hundred years um, ago yeah. that uh, you know it was the Spanish flu. So there's, I mean, that's an it's an eerie kind of historical reoccurrence in in a way, isn't it? Look, it really is, and it was. Uh, you know, we were obviously getting ready to celebrate the hundred years. The sisters first arrived, and um, and as I said, they were called over by the archbishop to help deal with a range of issues. And the Spanish flu happened to be one of them. And you know, we had soldiers returning from the war and facing a, an international epidemic that killed millions of people. And the sisters came here. There wasn't really, really, the public health system was pretty infantile. And since that time, I think, you know, the sisters have helped build um, a public health system that I think we can be exceptionally proud of in Australia. Um, and I think, um, you know, 
we're very lucky to be in that situation. But equally so, um, I'm I'm very uh, grateful the sisters started in Cabrini. That's the Cabrini Hospital now is where they first started, and then they moved into the city. And here we are a hundred years ago doing exactly what they came and probably thought a hundred years as we should be doing is responding to the need of the day. And and I just thank goodness we have people in society that continue to want to be doctors, nurses. Um, administrative people, cleaners, all the people that make a hospital and a health system work, um, they still want to do it and they still want to serve. And I think it says a lot about the wonderful parts of humanity that possibly we forget in the press and we don't read about that often and we get stuck in the really negative side, which is probably the minority, Kevin. Yeah, no, yeah you're, very, you're absolutely right. Um, the the breadth of our health services has been something that uh, has been talked about a lot uh, during this crisis in terms of our ability to handle it. Um, do you think we're handling it okay? Look, I do. I am cautiously optimistic. And I, I mean, you know, we don't know. This is in many ways unprecedented for this virus. But as I said, in, in over over years, we've dealt with many things. And we had HIV come through in the 80s and 90s. And we've managed to deal with that really well. I, I think the thing I'm, I'm really happy about at the moment is that we are working together. Um, from the Chief Medical Officer, Professor Brendan Murphy, who I think has done an, a, a very good job in very difficult circumstances. Yep. We're starting to listen. But I also want to thank the community because I think the social distancing and the, uh, I think the Queen's message to the Commonwealth the other day of, you know, what liking it to the children that were taken away in the war that her father talked about um, and then the, the, the fears that they must have and having our own community locked away and our young people never being experienced this thing of social distancing and isolating themselves. And I want to thank the community as well because I think they're actually doing their part. The more they keep away, the more we do know that we are going to keep that curve a bit flatter, allow the system to cope with this a bit better, and who knows, maybe, maybe even, you know, really get on top of this in time for an, uh, some sort of vaccine to come through and prevent this from taking the effect that it has in other countries. When you see photos of people at, you know, Bondi Beach or, you know, St Kilda Beach or whatever it is, and you see those kind of uh, people ignoring uh, what we're supposed to be doing, does that infuriate you? Uh, look, I'm like everybody, Kevin. I, I get annoyed and then I think, you know, we, we can't judge others by what we don't know, but certainly what I ask everybody to do is just think about our frontline health workers. I think there's the government are asking us to stay home for a reason. We need to stay home. We need to prevent the spread of this. The best thing we can do for our health workers is not rely on them to be there for us, but to actually keep away from each other to try and prevent this getting a hold. Um, it, it's to use the protective equipment as the government are telling us to use it in public and not to be wasting it because it's such a precious commodity and of global demand. So when people are out doing what they shouldn't be, according to government, I ask them to just think about others, and I know it's tough, but um, if we can ride through this, I think we're going to learn a lot about each other and we're going to give ourselves a much better way of responding to future issues. And there will be other things like this to come up. So, yeah, it does annoy me at times, but I try and remind myself that... uh, we're all in this together and we've got to really um, stick together and rather than blame, let's just look at trying to work out how we can cope, get, manage to get through this as a group, uh, as a whole community. Stephen, Mercy Health has moved into the uh, the residential aged care uh, area of, yeah. of recent years and that's obviously an area that's become uh, very, very crucial, very critical and one that we've got a spotlight on right now. How How is uh, how's the system handling that? Look, we've been in aged care for about... Um, in smaller in a smaller way for about 20 years, but certainly much larger in the last 10. So we're one of the larger providers in the country now. And there's no doubt it's having its effect. I mean, we know the elderly are the one of the most vulnerable cohorts um, when it comes to COVID-19. And uh, so we've had to really change a lot of our practices. Um, you know, these are people's homes they're living in. We've had to balance the need to how many visitors do we allow in um, 
in order to try and reduce the infection, but also uh, so induce the um, virus getting into the home, but also making sure that we don't want people dying of loneliness, boredom, um, lack of meaning, isolation, and dying in, in what could be over the next six months, dying very, very sad lives. So how do we balance that? And we've really had to work with our families on trying to find a very happy medium that prevents the number of people going through. And we've got some very strict criteria now about who can visit and limiting those to you know one person per resident for a very short period of time each day. But also... Um, how we can still try for as long as possible to allow people to have someone come in because, you know, relationships are very important to all of us. Um, so I think in, in aged care, we've got a very scared group of people. We're trying our best. Our staff have been amazing. They're, you know, they're not your doctors and nurses. Um, there are nurses and there's um, other workers in there who are trained uh, healthcare workers and aged care, but they have been amazing in taking on their additional hand washing, they're making sure they're trying their best to keep out of there. They're, they're making sure if they get any sniffle, they don't turn up for work. They yeah. are really, really rising to the occasion. And I think, you know, it's they're a very vulnerable cohort. There's no doubt we're going to see the virus in aged care homes, but I can tell you our staff are doing their very best to try and manage it. And I guess that's the uh, next to the actual virus itself. Fear is the thing that I think is going to is going to be the thing that will probably uh, be, be a, a major issue as well for people. There's no doubt fears everywhere. And look, the fear sits with all of us. I mean, even our, even myself and our health specialists, we're all human beings and we are faced with that. Um, what we try and do as a leadership team here is to try and make sure we, you know, go through all the information. And you, you, you yourself, Kevin, you only have to open anything or read anything and it's coronavirus <laughs> on every yep. single heading. And we're trying to, you know, synthesize through that. We've got infectious disease um, consultants and infection control personnel that are working with us on this all the time, trying to make sure that we can synthesize that to get the right information to our people so they're not fearful. Because I think if our health system becomes fearful, that, that creates even more fear. And, and I think that's why our people are optimistic, staying focused. They're listening to one set of information. They're trying to act on one set of truth, and they're trying to do it in a coordinated way to provide some level of reassurance on the best information we have to give the best response. And I think that's the only way we can eliminate fear is with the right information going out and the right people doing the right thing. Hindsight's a wonderful teacher to us all. Uh, have you have you learned stuff uh, as the way this has developed in the last couple of weeks about uh, the risk management plans that you had in place and, and how well they've worked? Yeah, look, obviously, you know, Australia and in fact our public health system has a range of risk management plans in place, business continuity plans, you know, emergency management plans. Certainly we've used a range of those ourselves and yes, I think most of our emergency plans, I think, have been very strong for short-term emergencies. I think, you know, where we're looking at something that could be six months, it's really testing us all to say, how do you manage and how do you sustain this effort and the vigilance for six months with the focus on it? Because once we know we drop focus on any one of those elements of, you know, coughing, sneezing, not sneezing, coughing and sneezing without putting, you know, your arm over your face or not washing your hands as well as you can or keeping that social distancing. If we relax on anything, we know that we give this virus a bit more of an opportunity to succeed over us. And so I think all those plans, it has just the biggest learning has been how we're going to sustain them over a long period of time and also sustain a workforce that could become very easily exhausted. What's the, um, uh, what's the attrition rate been with, you, with your workforce? Is that, has that been uh, an issue for you? Look, not really. We've got the usual, you know, we're like everyone else. We've got the usual bugs going around the system of colds and now we've got the flu coming up and we're pleased that the government are, are mandating, you know, mandating flu injections for healthcare workers and so mandating them for residential home care and we're wanting all of our healthcare workers and our home care workers, we're making it um, compulsory where they can have it to all have it and we're giving that, making that available to them. So 
besides those little things, there's not a lot of attrition. Our staff are very loyal. We have a lot of people serve, serving to us for many, many years. Um, and, you know, they're, they're soldiering on. They're coming to work. They're keeping away when they're sick. And, you know, even those four doctors, uh, so those uh, three doctors and the and the nurse in, uh, who are in our emergency department, they have, you know, recovering well from everything I've been told. And they're raring to come back to work as soon as they're ready and get their clearance from their testing. Um, this is the Talking Wyndham podcast. I mean, obviously, the, the Werribee Mercy Hospital is a very important part of the community, as it has been for many years now. Obviously, must be proud of, uh, of what uh, what they've been able to, to handle and and achieve and the outcomes uh, in, in the last uh, sort of three or four weeks. Absolutely, Kevin. Uh, and look, our staff have done amazing. They come to work. It's not just about, you know, we talk about COVID-19, uh, but we've got every other condition coming to that hospital as well. So we're still birthing babies. In fact, in March, we had our the most babies born at the hospital in its history in one month. Wow. Um, so we are still doing all the same things we do and the staff are just making sure they do it diligently with that extra bit of precaution to try and protect everyone that has to come in our hospital. And and on that note also, we have to really thank the community who are trying to keep away from the hospital and let the hospital have its space as well. We've noticed a, a, a slight decrease in some areas and it really is the community saying, unless I'm really urgent, I'm not going to go to the hospital and and provide them with additional issues when they've got enough of their own. And I think that's a pretty amazing community to do that. Uh, and, and I think, you know, that symbolises that Werribee community, that, you know, that Wyndham community that gets together and bands together in some ways that we've, we might have lost in other parts of our uh, country. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good call. Uh, the, the flexibility of our health services, I mean, Mercy Health obviously goes across a, a, a big geographic area uh, in the in the state uh, and uh, you cover a lot of uh, different uh, facilities. The, the flexibility of our health service, should this pandemic get any worse, are you you're confident in that as well? Look, absolutely. There's no doubt that um, from, you know, uh, Brendan Murphy right down to the, the chief medical officers in the state and all of our health services, they are meeting regularly. We're meeting together. There's a lot of support, you know, just by way of example, Cabrini gave um, Werribee Mercy a couple of thousand general gowns to wear the other weekend because we were getting short on them. And so there, there is not only that flexibility, but there's that real collegiality to say, we're all in this together, let's work together. And I think we're very fortunate. Mercy's uh, health is quite different because we've obviously got our Mercy Hospital Women as a, uh, a, a referral centre, a statewide referral centre with one of the four you know, neonatal intensive care units in the state and providing some of the highest and most complex risk pregnancy and women's health services in the state. Yep. And then you've got Werribee as a community hospital. But our doctors actually, you know, in maternity, they work across each other. They make sure they support each other. So, you know, the Wyndham community benefit from a major tertiary hospital providing some oversight and supervision over some of the things that are going there. And so that flexibility has always been there. But I think at the moment, you can really see it. I mean, we're, we're on conference calls every second day and everyone's in this together wanting to say whatever we have to do, we're going to do it and we're all going to do it together. And I think we're a pretty lucky country to have a system that's that responsive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 2020 is probably not uh, not looking or looking the way you thought it might look at the start of the year. It's not. I, I try not to use it. I always remember Martina Navratilova once said about one of her games, if it was a fish, you'd chuck it back in the sea. And I'm wondering if that's what we'll think about 2020. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> uh, look, I, it didn't start out the way it is, but in many ways, um, you know, our health services, our aged care services, our home care services, people will, would have come to work. Um, they're luckier than, you know, in, and this is what our staff continually say to me, we're luckier than, luckier than a lot because we get to come to work. Um, we don't, you know, they, they recognise they can't work at home, but they also recognise they have a job and they can come to work and they can feel needed and do things. And I think um, 
we would we would be doing this with whatever. It might not be COVID nineteen, but we'd certainly be doing the same sort of work um, all year anyway. It's just what we're doing now is responding to the need of the day, and that's what our health people do the best. Finally, Stephen, a message to your staff. Oh, a message to my staff. Look, that's really quite easy. I I just keep saying I know I don't want to, I don't want to sound like the um whatever it is Foxtel or Netflix or whatever saying we're all in it together, yeah. but we really are in this together. And and the, the message I've been giving to the staff is one of trust. We need to trust each other. And I. I think this is not only to staff, this is to our whole community. We need to trust that the government are working closely with us. We are one of the most fortunate countries in the world. We've got some of the best expertise, analysing all the information, trying to take the learnings from across the world and say, how do we apply it here to try and make our response the best response possible, knowing that we will have, we will have learning from hindsight. But if we make the best decision we can on the day with what we've got, um, that's our best hope going forward. And I think our staff have really risen to that challenge. So... My biggest message is trust each other, but my 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 strongest of all is thanking them for everything they are and every uh, everything they are and everything they do. Yeah, absolutely. What about the uh, the people in the in the city of Wyndham? What what would you say to them? Look, I'd say to them, don't panic. I'd say if you really do want to do your best for those health professionals, do your part. We've all got a part to play in this. We as the health professionals are on the front line, trying to be there for people that need us, whatever those conditions of it may be but every single person in the community can help fight this virus, and that is by doing what we need to do. That is practising our hand hygiene, not touching our face, you know, making sure we do sneeze or cough into the crook of our arm, but most importantly, social distancing and staying at home. We know these are working, and I think if we all work on this together, um, we're going to show, you know, we could show the whole world how a community can really come together and respond as one. Beautifully said. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate your time. Keep up the great work uh, yourself and uh, and all your staff. Uh, it's it's trying times for everyone, but uh, we do appreciate your time uh, and uh, thanks for spending a bit of it with us on uh, the Talking Wyndham podcast. Most welcome, Kevin. Great to speak to you and uh, all the very best. Keep safe and keep well and stay home. Thanks, Stephen, for his time. As valuable as it is at the moment, some great messages in there and uh, uh, just keep up the good work is, I guess, all we need to say about that. Just wanted to go back to an earlier edition. We talk about uh, a lot uh, with the council and with Kelly Grigsby and with the mayor uh, in our last couple of podcasts about supporting uh, our local businesses. One we had on episode 37 of this podcast was the Werribee Mainstream Aquaculture Centre. Now, they are the world's largest barramundi hatchery and it's right here uh, in the city of Wyndham and they're now because of the situation that we find ourselves in, opening themselves up to the public. So simple as just Googling the uh, mainstream aquaculture, Werribee's mainstream aquaculture, and finding out how you can uh, get yourself uh, some of uh, this beautiful barramundi that uh, is available for purchase. But uh, one of the uh, former episodes of, uh, of this podcast that I think you should go back, have a little listen to, find out a little bit more, and uh, give them your support during this uh, pretty hard time that we're all going through. That council number again, open and manned seven days a week, 97420777 is that number. And, of course, the website, which is Windows www.vic.gov.au Till the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. Uh, We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page.